latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Thursday, January 4th, 2024. <laughs> Didn't make, almost made the mistake. It's, well, today is not the Feast of the Circumcision, but... I want to talk about the Feast of the Circumcision because I missed it. It was on January 1st, and I wasn't here January 1st. So I wanted to bring it up. So the Feast of the Circumcision, what can we meditate upon? Well, there is a couple things. One is it's the last day of the eight days of Christmas. You see the the octave of Christmas. You have the octave day that ends with this Feast of the Circumcision. Our Lord himself subjects himself to the ceremonial law of circumcision. You see, our Lord was not obligated to be circumcised because circumcision was a ceremonial law. And our Lord, who is above the law because he is God, did not need to lower himself and obey that law. And yet he does. Why? Why does our Lord do this? Our Lord does this for a number of reasons. We will talk about just a couple. Uh, One is a prefiguring of baptism. You see, we baptize children today against many people who are antinatal baptisms, people who do not want to baptize children. And yet we see the Old Testament is a prefigurement of the New Testament. And the New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And so if we see infants having a ceremonial purification to be united with the church, we should see the same thing happening to today after our coming of our Lord. And so what happens? We have baptism to replace circumcision. And while circumcision did not actually sanctify you, it did not actually give you holiness, baptism, because it is the fulfillment of It actually produces that which circumcision prefigured. The second thing we'll notice here is that our Lord Jesus Christ, by the shedding of his blood at his circumcision, actually merited all that was necessary for salvation. And that it was a pure act of love. See, our Lord had reason from the moment of his conception. Unlike you and I, he didn't need to wait to develop his brain into the, to the point where he could actually function as a rational adult. No, our Lord, because his human nature was united to the divine person, the second person, the Trinity, he had full control and faculty of his reason. And so he was conscious and aware at that moment and the shedding of his blood. He understood the reasons why, and he submitted himself to it actively, not subject as, as passively like we might as a child. And then thirdly and lastly, we'll focus on this, is the divine humility. That our Lord subjects himself to the law. He subjects himself in order to show us that we should have a love of law. There are three types of law. There are the natural law, the divine law, and then there is ecclesiastical law. And we should love all forms of law. Now, of course, there are some times when the laws will contradict the higher laws, And in which case we obey God rather than man, but in all things that are not contrary to God himself and all things that are not contrary to the eternal law, to the divine law, to natural law, then we should obey, not only obey them, but we should love them 
We should love them in the same manner that our Lord did and submit ourselves to the truth, submit ourselves to those laws. And there are two forms of submission. One is to bend our heads as a sign that we renounce our wills to follow God's will alone. And the other is to raise our heads to defend the will of God against those who would want to impose something contrary to it. So let us have these two forms of submission, that is love, law, and let's imitate our Lord Jesus Christ, all powerful infant Jesus, have mercy, have mercy on us. Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. Welcome back. It's so good to have you back, bro. Well, uh, Dave Palmer was, uh, you know, he was filling in for you while you were gone. Was gone? And, and what that do you was, mean? Uh, that was pretty cool. Was I gone? <laughs> what? Uh, what do you mean? I, what, I, I didn't go anywhere. What do you? Okay. Adrian's gaslighting. Okay. <laughs> I was here. We're talking about Rudy. I was here on the show yesterday. Really? Yeah, totally. I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. No, praise be to God. I had a great time. I was traveling. I went to Pennsylvania and I went to the TFP conference there in Pennsylvania. It was a delight. I'll tell y'all all about it at 15 past the hour. I'm going to do the impossible. I'm going to try to condense seven hours of talks into uh, less than 15 minutes. Nice. So there you go. It's going to be a, a very good time. It's going to be a very good time. And there are a lot of things that we got to cover today, Rudy. There is a, one is this uh, raffle ticket thing we're doing. They're giving away a, a brand new car. We're doing a, a pay it forward campaign. Who manufactured that car? Let me uh, let me see if you can uh, pull this one off. Let's see. Merc- Mercedes. 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 Is it Mercedes? It's a Mercedes Benz. Mercedes GLB two fifty. It is a beautiful car. It's in night black, and you can win, dear listener. All you have to do is go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle and pick up a ticket for yourself, but not just yourself. You got to think about your friends. You mm. got to think about that person down the block that has a complete beater car oh, and yeah. you know they need a new car. You got to think about that first responder. You got to think about that priest. You know that priest, he's always making calls, right? Mm-hmm. He's got to go to people's houses, got to anoint the sick, got to go to the hospital. You know, maybe think about him. Uh, maybe think about uh, anybody. Pay it forward. Buy a ticket for somebody else. Buy one for yourself grnonline.com forward slash raffle. There you go. In fact, we actually have 46 pay it forward tickets sold already. Nice. And so our goal is to hit 1,000 pay it forward tickets sold. So we're trying to think of 1,000 tickets sold. That's 1,000 people that people are thinking, okay, I want to, I want to get a gift of an opportunity to win a brand new car to someone. That's pretty awesome. And you know what? Awesome. It's still Christmas. That's so true. you can still be giving gifts. So Think true, about true. giving this gift. So true. In fact, gift giving, January 6th, we have the Epiphany. Oh, that's right, the Epiphany. That's right. Three Kings right. Day. My favorite day, January 6th. We're going to have uh, <laughs> gifts. We're going to have all sorts of things. I'm very excited for it. And so that's one gift you could give, the Pay It Forward campaign. Yeah, and the best part of it is, uh, you know, with uh, with this campaign, uh, with the the car raffle, it helps the GRN stabilize in a time where we don't really do a fun drive, and uh, it helps keep Catholic Radio on the air. Amen, amen. All right, a couple other things at thirty past the hour, we're going to have the Reverend Doctor Paul Sullins on to talk about conversion therapy. This really interesting topic because he has debunked. A lot of the myths around the topic. So we're going to talk about that at 30 past the hour. Plus, did you hear the news, Rudy? 
there is something coming down the pipe. There's something a big coming. deal launching in just mm, 18 days. The clock is ticking away. January 22nd, Changes we are, are launching the Morning Joy. The Morning Joy. Operation Morning Joy. Operation Morning Joy is initiated. <laughs> and we are launching that on January 22nd. It's going to be a really good time. So we're going to tell you more about it over the course of the next few days, giving a little bit of information of what it's going to be like. And it's going to be very exciting. It's going to be same time. And it's going to be a lot more, how shall we say, interaction with various guests across the globe. It's going to be a very interesting for you, and I'm excited for you to, to see wh- how it turns out. So praise be to God. We'll give you much more details as we go through the week. Uh, I say week. It's Thursday already. We'll give you more details tomorrow, and then next week, of course, we'll give you more <laughs> details as uh, we get uh, closer. I'm still recovering from- Captain, from, it's Thursday. I know. I know. I'm recovering from uh, from the vacation, and I'm uh, my brain's like all over the place. A lot of announcements and- I didn't even try to catch up on the news yet either. Craziness. Uh, All right. Let's begin with prayer. We're praying for the salvation of souls and liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church for our friends, family, and benefactors and all those we promise to pray for. We pray for a special way. I want to pray for my the healing of my grandfather's cancer. And we are also going to be praying for these uh, the divine praises as an act of reparation against blasphemies against the most holy name of Jesus because the month of January is dedicated to the most holy name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Blessed be God, blessed be his holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man, blessed be the name of Jesus, blessed be his most sacred heart, blessed be his most precious blood, blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar, blessed be the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, Blessed be the great mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, virgin and mother. Blessed be St. Joseph, her most, her, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here are just some of your breaking news and headlines this morning. Hey, do you remember that story from Nicaragua? Well, the dictatorship in Nicaragua posted photos of Bishop Alvarez after U.S. calls for his release. The Nicaraguan government published various photographs documenting a medical checkup performed on January 2nd on Bishop Alvarez, who has been in prison for more than 500 days by the Ortega regime. The bishop was placed under house arrest in August of 2022 and in February 2023, sentenced by the dictatorship to 26 years and four months in prison on allegations of treason. The images and the official statement were published shortly after the U.S. State Department again urged the Nicaraguan government to immediately and unconditionally release Alvarez. Since December 20th, the dictatorship has unleashed an unprecedented persecution with the arbitrary detention of at least 16 Catholic clerics, including Bishop Isidoro del Carmen Mora of the Diocese of Siuna. Now, don't jump to conclusions just yet. Seven state capitals evacuated or locked down amid bomb threats. Several state capitals were locked down or evacuated due to bomb threats, with multiple reports of police investigations. Connecticut, Georgia, Kentucky, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, and Montana were included in a list of states that evacuated offices or buildings. 
Georgia Secretary of State Gabriel Sterling later updated followers of a multiple bomb threat at other state capitals, but urged readers saying, quote, don't jump to conclusions as to who is responsible. There will be chaos agents sowing discord for 2024. They want to increase tensions. Don't let them, unquote. All right. <clears throat> this is a very important story. Is it still Christmas? The Octave, the 12 Days, and What You Need to Know. This is from The Pillar. Now, here's the breakdown. We've got Christmas Day, then we've got the Octave, and we have the traditional 12 Days of Christmas. But then there's the liturgical season of Christmas, which ends on the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. And after that, ordinary time begins on the liturgical calendar. And you can definitely say that Christmas is over. Or is it? That there are a lot of Christians who continue to celebrate Christmas until the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord, a.k.a. Candlemas, which takes place on February 2nd. The presentation feast is called Candlemas because it's the day on which the church has traditionally blessed candles for liturgical use. Why? Because when the infant Jesus was presented in the temple, St. Simeon called him a light to the Gentiles, and a light of Christ has been central to celebrating the presentation ever since. So don't take down your Christmas decorations just yet. Uh, you can keep them up, actually, until February 2nd. Now, those are some of your headline news this morning, but stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time for more. I have a couple more interesting stories you don't want to miss. I'm on February 2nd, gang. Let's go. Let's go <laughs> all yeah. the way. Uh, the gospel today comes from John chapter 1, verses 35 through 42. We're only going to be able to cover just a little bit. So go look up Cornelius Alapide and read the whole thing. It's not that long today. It's actually only about probably a 10 minute read to read through the whole commentary. But here on verse 36, he says, And beholding Jesus walking, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And so Cornelius Alapide says, It is as though he said, Behold Christ, like a spotless lamb destined for a victim that he may be offered to God upon the cross for the sins of the whole world. And when John spoke thus, it was as though he had said to his disciples, why do you follow me? Follow him who is the lamb of God, the ransom of the world. Here observe the prudence and modesty of John. He does not compel or urge his disciples to follow Christ, but only points him out to them. Now, this is important to note because he is recognizing that they were seekers of Christ. The disciples of John were looking for the Christ. And so when he points him out, he doesn't need to say, go follow him. All he has to say is behold. And they know the sheep hears the shepherd's voice. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this. Don't go anywhere. More in just one moment. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. Are you worried about the war on Christmas? Don't be. G.K. Chesterton says Christmas is the irresistible festival for those who are afraid to be festive. It is the spectacular festival when almost everyone lives and acts poetry instead of just a few people writing it. It is the ancient festival, a trinity of eating, drinking, praying, that to modern seems irreverent because the holy day really is a holiday. No matter what happens, says Chesterton, the great majority will go on observing Christmas Day with Christmas gifts and Christmas benedictions, and they will continue to do it, and suddenly, someday they'll wake up and discover why. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton.org. 
This is Sarah Soto, Thursday host of A Life Lived Joyfully, where we explore the call to holiness and the life of virtue, inviting you to join the program daily at 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Guadalupe Radio Network. You can also listen to us on your smartphone by downloading the Guadalupe Radio Network app from the App Store or Google Play. We hope you can join us. God bless you. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you today. It's always good to be here with you. No matter what anybody says, don't listen to them. It's still good to be here. Praise be to God. In fact, it's especially be good to be here with you today because I'm back. I made it back. Can you believe it? I traveled the globe. Okay, I didn't travel the globe, but I did go quite a few places. I went to, flew into Baltimore then drove into Pennsylvania. Actually, I went to Philly as well. I stopped in Philly for a while. For a, we, we spent a day in Philly visiting the shrines there. Went to see the Miraculous Metal Shrine. We saw the Shrine of St. Catherine Drexel and the uh, Shrine of St. John Nauman. So it was pretty, pretty awesome. It was a pretty, pretty awesome um, journey, I would say. So the, a number of things that I want to talk to you about, though. I want to share with you uh, what we talked about at this conference because I, I learned a lot. It was a very good conference. I went to Pennsylvania to the TFP headquarters there in Pennsylvania, Spring Grove, and they had a conference on the revolution and counter-revolution. It was very interesting. I, I very much enjoyed it. And so there was about probably seven hours worth of talks and those seven hours worth of talks, I'm going to attempt to give you that information in less than 15 minutes. That's the goal. So I'm going to put a, uh, I was going to say I put a, put a clock on, but I really don't have a choice. The music's going to start when it starts. So, <laughs> so here we go. Here's the, here's the seven hours worth of talks in 15 minutes. You're welcome. So you don't have to go to the conference. Actually, I would recommend it. And there's probably a number, you could probably have, recommend one book for each one of these these bullet points and maybe maybe that'll be a worthwhile do, thing to do is to recommend books but the principal book on this topic is RCR Revolution and Counter-Revolution by Professor Plinio Correa de Oliveira but we begin with the medieval order so it talk they the first talk was on the medieval order understanding where we came from so why is our times now so bad and living in our times, you might think things aren't so bad, but obviously you kind of get used to the situation you're in. Just like if you're in a house and there is kind of a, a bad smell, if you live there and you stay in that smell constantly, then you get used to that smell and no longer bothers you. And so, too, it is with us in our current society. Our society is so bad but because we've been steeped in our current society, we don't realize how bad it is. So we look at the medieval order. In the medieval order, there was, in fact, obviously there were still bad things that happened, of course. And there were bad kings, of course. But there was an understanding that God's law was primary. Even if people did not live up to God's law, they understood that God's law was true and was something that they were striving for. And we see this most clearly with the king saints like King St. Ferdinand and King St. Louis IX, who most perfectly 
imitated these these truths. We also see the glorious things being built, like the San Chapelle, the horrible dark ages built the great cathedral or so or great chapel really it's a chapel but it, to us americans it looks like a, a grand cathedral the san chapelle was built during the middle ages during the medieval order it was this massive church built for what reason it was built by louis the ninth in order to house the crown of thorns that's why they built this magnificent church Every aspect of society was built to magnify and emphasize the beauty of Almighty God. We see this with the building of University of Paris. Louis IX is the one who ordered the building of the University of Paris for what reason? To further studies because of what reason? To understand God's creation and also the study of philosophy and theology. This is why it was built. And this is true of every aspect of society. Now, there's much more could be said about the medieval order, but we'll move on. So how did we get from the medieval order to the revolutions that came, the Protestant Revolution, the French Revolution, the Communist Revolution, and all those revolutions that came after? Well, the beginning of the end started with the Renaissance. See, the Renaissance came in. And it was very gaudy. It was very much the, this love of a restoration, quote unquote, of Greek and Roman culture, Greek and Roman mythology. You started seeing people start building busts of the gods. And most of the time, they didn't actually believe in the gods. They were kind of just bringing it back as a, as a cultural thing. But then they started bringing back the behavior of the Rome, of the Romans and the Greeks. And so this, they're seeing a rise in homosexuality, um, including the, the god Bacchus, who is a god of, of, um, pleasure, of wine drinking, of merriment, all these things. And they would use the same model for this Greek god as they did for Saint Sebastian. It was very scandalous at the time. You start seeing a rise in nudity in art that became very popular during the Renaissance. And Pius V, who was a glorious pope, ended up covering up a lot of the nudity in, in Rome. You started seeing all these things start to rise up during the Renaissance. So you start seeing a beginning of a decadence, a fall of culture. And then after the Renaissance kind of set the stage, you see the Protestant Revolution come in. So now you still have, you still have these sentiments of Christian civilization, of the medieval order. And as we started to have more and more decadence, the clergy became more lax. That's where we get the pornocracies, these horrible situations with very bad popes, very bad cardinals. And then we have the Protestant Revolution. The Protestant Revolution came in, and this was the what Professor Plinio in his book, uh, RCR, Revolution to Counter-Revolution, refers to as the first revolution. And so it was a usurpation of the authority of the church. And so it begins the fall of logic, reason, truth, all these things. Why? Because it democratizes truth. I can discover the truth myself. The truth is in me. I can take scripture and read it for myself. And I can then interpret scripture how I see please, how I, how I desire to. And the Protestant Revolution began. And you start seeing, okay, the Protestant reformers themselves are revolutionaries. The Protestant revolutionaries, they had a lot of elements that were still a little Catholic. They weren't so bad. They weren't so bad as to, for instance, deny the, the, the divine maternity of Our Lady. They would recognize a dogma 
of Our Lady as Mother of God. In fact, many of the Protestant revolutionaries did, in fact, affirm Our Lady as immaculately conceived and things like that. And yet, we see that beginning chipping away at the truths of the gospel until we get to today. So this set the stage, this idea of freedom, of liberty, of I can be in control, is expressed in a more full way with the second revolution, which was the French Revolution. The French Revolution was a complete destruction, complete destruction of the church in France. It was a usurpation of the monarchy. And so we see in the Protestant Revolution, a usurpation of the church, and then the French Revolution, the usurpation of the state. And what's interesting about the Protestant and the versus the French Revolution, the French people, the French bishops, out of all the French bishops in the entirety of France, only about six signed the document basically creating a national church, kind of like uh, the Anglicans did. Only six. Whereas in England, there was like two. A very interesting dichotomy, very different difference between the two countries. In the French Revolution, they chopped the heads off a priest. They emptied the convents of nuns and did horrific things that I won't even mention to the nuns. They did all sorts of very evil and wicked things in the name of liberty, equality, and fraternity. Thanks be to God for equality. And so because equality requires me to kill you, though. And so some of the French revolutionaries wanted to reduce the population to only a couple million people. They wanted to wipe out the vast majority of the French population because they knew that the French people loved monarchy too much. In fact, at one of the riots, when the king, I think it was Louis the 16th, who stepped out into the, into the balcony, just seeing the king there inspired within them an admiration and love. And so they stopped rioting and they started chanting, um, vive le voix, which is long, long live the king. So then we go over to the communist revolution. We'll fast forward. A lot more can be said about each one of these things. The communist revolution came from those ideas of liberty, fraternity, and equality. And we see it very clearly in communism. Equality, everybody's equal. Workers' revolution. Uh, treat everybody the same. This idea. Our Lady Fatima appeared in 1917 predicting the errors of Russia would spread her errors around the world. We see that through China. We see that through the South America, liberation theology. All these things came out of the communist revolution. Of course, the communist revolution is the most violent and bloody of all the revolutions. Uh, Mao Zedong uh, killing more people than anybody else in the world ever. Uh, Stalin also, Lenin, all these other people killed many, many people in the name of communism. So we'll fast forward there. Most people are a little bit more familiar with the evils of communism. The fourth revolution being the hippie revolution or the individualism, radical individualism. Uh, being the, could, the catchphrase that you can know is it is forbidden to forbid was the idea. It is forbidden to forbid. Free love. Everybody do as you will. And which leads right into the fifth revolution. The fifth revolution being outright and public Satanism. Uh, the public worship of Satan. This was a fifth revolution, and we are currently living in the fourth revolution, moving into the fifth revolution. The fourth revolution, we start seeing, because what is the first commandment of a Satanist? The first commandment of Satanist is, do what thou wilt shall be the hold of the law. That's the first commandment of the Satanist. Whereas the fourth revolution, the hippie revolution, the individualist revolution, their catchphrase was, it is forbidden to forbid. You can see how that connection leads right into each other. 
And so that's the fourth revolution going into the fifth revolution. And now we see it. We start seeing Satanism on the rise all over the globe. We start seeing it all over America and Capitol buildings all across the United States. And we, I could, we could talk about it. And we do talk about this all the time. And so we see, and Professor Plinio predicted this in the 60s, 1960s. So finally, how does this end? The conference ended with a talk from Mr. John Horvat on return to order, a proposal of a return to order. So we see where we've been. Now we see where we're at. Now we have to look forward to where we're going, the fifth revolution of Satanism, and where we want to be. And where we want to be is the reign of Mary. Where we want to be is the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. And so what do we have to do? We have to resist the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth revolutions. We have to resist these elements of equality, fraternity, these egalitarian Gnostic revolution. And how do we do so? By a return to order. By a return to order, we have to set ourselves back on a path to Christian civilization. How do we do so? Well, we have to reject these revolutionary ideas in the music, in the food, in the way we dress, in all aspects of our lives. We have to recognize the revolutionary ideas. And then we have to be counter-revolutionaries. We have to have a return to order. We have to head forward to Christian civilization. Now, each one of these topics is a definitely a book in and of itself. And maybe one day we'll talk more about each of these. Maybe if, if you're interested, let me know. Maybe we'll, I'll invite some of the speakers to talk about the different talks in a, in a different segment. So let me know if you're interested in that. Maybe we'll do that. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, Father Paul Solins is going to be on with us. Hi, Julie Carrick here. I am delighted to be the host of We Sing Our Faith. This weekly program shares beautiful Catholic music and deep insights of many Catholic teachings. Join me on Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock Central Time for We Sing Our Faith here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock Central Time. We Sing Our Faith. A Christmas Reflection from St. Teresa of Calcutta. My prayer for you is that when Christ comes to you in Christmas, he may find in you a warm home, warm love like that of a heart full of love, like that of a simple shepherd who was the first one chosen to see Christ. Hi, I'm Dave Palmer from the North Texas office of the Guadalupe Radio Network, wishing you and your family a most beautiful, happy, and holy season. Merry Christmas. Stand Tall is now offering advanced group coaching sessions with master coaches highly trained in life skills. Visit StandTallToday.com and register for one of our upcoming group coaching events. These virtual opportunities are designed to take you to the next level of life in your relationships, career, faith walk, and so much more. Space is limited. Hurry to StandTallToday.com and sign up for one of our advanced group coaching sessions. StandTallToday.com Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. Do you remember that spy balloon that crossed the United States? Well, Taiwan spots Chinese balloons near the island military base that they have. The Taiwanese Defense Ministry tracked four Chinese balloons passing over the Taiwan Strait on Monday and Tuesday. Three of the balloons passed over the center of Taiwan Island, coming fairly close to one of their air bases before disappearing. However, 
The Taiwanese defense military, uh, ministry rather, declined an opportunity to state for the record whether it believed the new balloons were surveillance programs, weather balloons, or something else. The ministry said that it closely monitors all objects entering Taiwanese airspace and appropriately responds to each incursion. Security analysts speculated on whether they carried out surveillance gear or not. The Chinese balloons might be intended as a gray zone pressure tactic ahead of Taiwan's hotly contested presidential election, which is scheduled for January 13th. Gray zone tactics are meant to unsettle and put pressure on Taiwan to respond, but fall short of outright military provocation or acts of war. And Governor Hobbs goes after school choice. Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs on Tuesday announced that she and fellow Democrats will pursue restrictions on the state's active universal school choice legislation. Her new proposal would give the government power to monitor and report on how private schools spend school choice voucher money and may be a contentious moment for advocates of school choice. Now, those are all of your headlines this morning. Thank you for listening to Catholic Drive Time, and may God bless all of your holy efforts today. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date, even though some of those stories were... Not not so great. <laughs> hey, man, don't shoot the messenger. Okay? I know, I know. Shoot the spy balloon instead. Yeah, shoot the spy balloons <laughs> down, just knock them down uh, high in the air. It's like, oh, where did those come from? Hmm. What if it was just a, a spy with a balloon and he accidentally let it go? And he's like, no, my balloon, stop. And it just happened to be It was actually just a, a little yellow balloon. Mm-hmm. And he was just walking with it. And so <laughs> it was a spy's balloon. Exactly. He would just think it's a spy balloon. It was all a misunderstanding. Uh, that's what that's what it was. That's what it was. Now we know the truth. Thank you very much. The the truth with Rudy Carlos. The the Chinese Communist Party didn't tell me to yeah. say that. Right. I came up with that. Right. They, totally. I did it. Uh huh. Uh huh. I'm not being coerced. I'm buying. Okay. All right. You know it's funny. We were when I was we drove through to um, Philadelphia and we couldn't find parking. And so we found finally found parking driving around right in front of the Chinese gospel church. Nice. And I was like, huh. Should we pop in? I wonder if that is like the, a CCP uh, church or something. It could just be, you know, a Protestant church from Chinese people, right? But for some, immediately I was like, hmm, Chinese Communist Party church probably. But I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> That's just my immediate thought when I saw that. We, but yeah, there you go, folks. It was beautiful, though. We saw the Maracas Metal Shrine. We saw the Shrine of St. Catherine Drexel. We saw the Shrine of St. John Nauman. It was amazing. Just <laughs> stunningly beautiful. That's cool. And if you're in our private Telegram chat, you got to see some of those pictures. Because I was taking pictures and I was sending them in our private Telegram chat while I was on vacation. And so y'all guys knew all the insider information so praise be to god if you want to join that all you have to do is send me an email go to grnonline.com and sign up for our email list and you will get that information on how to join our private telegram chat there but on to more serious topics joining us right now is the reverend dr paul sullins he is a senior research associate at the ruth institute and he's also an esteemed sociologist and former professor at Catholic University of America. His specialization is in the research of same-sex parenting and family dynamics, and he is internationally recognized for his work on clerical sexual abuse. His recent focus in the topic of our conversation today is scrutinizing the methodological flaws in studies linking conversion therapy to suicide risks, challenging prevailing narratives in the public discourse. Thank you very much for joining us, Father Sullins. 
I'm very happy to be here this morning. Now, it, you're not Adrian. That's the name that's on my screen. Yes, sir. I am Adrian. You are Adrian. <laughs> I am, but correct. Because uh, you just mentioned Philadelphia. And so I, I want to know, really, did you see the Rocky Steps? That's the important question. The Rocky Steps? What are the Rocky Steps? Oh, 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 Rocky Steps. Yeah. Okay. You're talking about the Rocky Steps, as in the Rocky, Rocky Balboa. Steps. No, Rocky we did Balboa. not. I mean, it, you said we're moving on to more important things, so but that's the real important <laughs> question when you've been to Philadelphia. No, really unfortunately. With you guys Rocky is one of my favorite movies, and I yeah. get it all the time. So, Yo, Adrian! Uh, but right. I never, right. I've actually, I've never actually got he, he to go there. It's outside the art museum, he runs up those steps and he jumps up and down with his arms in the air, you know, while he's working out. That's a great philadelphia experience um, <laughs> well so next I'm, time i go i have to remember i have to go run okay. up the steps i i completely forgot about that i was so uh so enthralled <laughs> with the miraculous metal shrine that i completely forgot about okay. uh, other things we all want a photo <laughs> <laughs> uh, well father paul uh, there is a really big story that you uh you were right. talking about and i was i i very much enjoyed your talk i wish it was longer it was only 20 minutes long and i mm-hmm. was thinking okay this is a major talking point among mm-hmm. the left the major talking point of right. oh we have to be against conversion therapy we're shocking these poor uh homosexuals and they are being uh mm-hmm. t- tortured to death uh, but that's not entirely true is it father Sullins? No, it, it, they claim that people go into this therapy and then they come out more suicidal. Uh, and they've claimed that on a number of studies. It, you know, where have we heard this claim before? It's with people who are thinking about transitioning uh, with gender identity studies. And they say to parents, well, you know, if they don't go through this, your, your children are going to be more suicidal uh, because they, they don't want the children not to go through that. And here they don't don't want people to go through the therapy. So guess what? We get the same claim. If they go through this therapy, they're going to come out suicidal. And in both cases, the research is extremely sketchy on these claims. Um, and so I got involved um, when I was invited to uh, submit a letter uh, pointing out some of the flaws in one of the studies uh, that claim that um, uh, persons who went through conversion therapy came out more suicidal. This study claimed that uh, it doubled the possibility of suicidal thoughts uh, and increased uh, attempts of suicide by 1.7. So uh, when I looked at the data for this study, uh, I found something very interesting, and that is that they would report the uh, amount of suicide attempts or suicide thoughts that a person reported, and then they would report whether or not the person had been to uh, some sort of therapy to change their sexual orientation. But on the data, it told us when these suicide expressions occurred, and they didn't separate the expressions that occurred before the person had gone to the therapy and the expressions that happened after they went to the therapy. Well, that's a major scientific error. Uh, it's not controlling for pre-existing distress. And so they were reporting all of a person's suicidal expressions as if they were the result of SOCI when they couldn't have been. If you're thinking suicidal thoughts and two years later you go to therapy, how could that therapy have caused your pre-existing suicidal thoughts? It's impossible. We've known since Aristotle that things that happen before something else uh, can't be a cause of that later event. but. They just completely ignored that. So I went into the data 
and I simply separated out the uh, expressions that happened before the person went to the therapy and that that happened after they went to the therapy. And I found that it was the exact opposite of making people more suicidal. It made them less suicidal. If you compare only suicidal ideation or suicidal uh, attempts after therapy with those persons who have never been to therapy, you find that the ones who have been to the therapy have much less, uh, much less, less than one-fifth as many uh, of those subsequent suicidal ideations. And so what they're doing is they're taking a body of persons who do experience greater suicidality. Then they go to therapy, and after the therapy, they experience much less suicidality, not only than they did before, but by but less suicidality than people who had ever been to the therapy. They're presenting to us a false backwards argument. It would be like uh, saying to someone uh, who has heart trouble, well, you shouldn't undergo heart surgery because research has shown that people who undergo heart surgery, well, can you believe it, have much higher rates of heart trouble than people who never undergo heart surgery. So if we just banned heart surgery, it would help all of these people who suffer from heart troubles. Now, you're a rational human being, so you can see the flaw in that logic uh, that you're banning the cure as if somehow it's causing the disease. That's the exact argument that we're getting from these uh, LGBT mm. activists in this research. Uh, and it's, it's just false. It's a lie. And it, it, we should say, wait a minute. Uh, you're telling us the exact wrong thing. We should not ban this kind of therapy. In fact, we should promote it and support right. it because it's very helpful. Uh, Father, we're going to go to a quick break. And when we come back, I want to finish up on this topic. I also want to go backwards a little bit and say, okay, what is conversion therapy? What exactly are we talking about whenever we say conversion therapy? What is What are we seeing? What is happening to these people? What are they going through? So we're going to be talking about this with Father Paul Sullins in just one moment. Don't go anywhere. More on Catholic Drive Time right after this. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 115 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you today. After that uh, long hiatus, being away for a few days, being on vacation. I know, imagine. <sighs> vacation. Who does that? Every once in a while. Every once in a while. I had a great time talking about going to the, the TFP conference in Pennsylvania, talking about revolution and counter-revolution. It was a excellent, excellent conference. I'm able to tell you more about it in the after show, so stick with us. Maybe we'll talk about that and many other things in the after show, so make sure you stick with us. Just hop on our social media platforms. Where the YouTube's not working today, but you can join us on Rumble, and you can work uh, join us on Facebook. Just look up Catholic Drive Time on Rumble or Facebook, and you'll be able to leave a comment there and interact with us during the after show. But joining us right now is Father Paul Sullins. Uh, we're talking about the situation of uh, conversion therapy, what's known as conversion therapy, whenever people who are active homosexuals or experiencing sex attraction and they desire to overcome that, um, what is actually happening there and are the myths around it saying, oh, people go into conversion therapy, they come out worse than they did before, Is the, are those things true? We are talking about that and Father Sullins gave a clear uh, statistical look at it and showed us that it's very clearly the case that it's the opposite that conversion therapy actually reduces suicidal um, tendencies. And so the question, though, is what exactly are we talking about when we say conversion therapy? Because the popular culture makes us think, okay, conversion therapy equals shock therapy. Conversion therapy equals torture. But that's not necessarily the case. Father Sullins, what exactly is conversion therapy? Yeah, that's a great question. There's not a clear definition in the literature. People choose lots and lots of different um, uh, uh, classifications of therapeutic experiences. But persons who actually try to help people with same-sex attraction uh, reject entirely the, the term conversion therapy. It's become a pejorative term lobbed by the other side to scare people. And they connect it with practices that were popular back in the 1960s. Uh, uh, mostly aversive techniques, like inflicting minor elements of pain in order to uh, be free from thoughts that uh, you didn't want to have, that were used in lots of types of therapy. Also electric shock therapy, which was common back in the 60s, but has been kind of uh, fell into disuse today. Um, but people who actually try to help people uh, like to call it change-allowing therapy. It doesn't have a goal to change sexual orientation necessarily, but it's open to that if that helps someone. The goal is to help someone who struggles with same-sex attractions, usually because it violates their religious convictions like it would do for a, a faithful Catholic, uh, or maybe they're in a heterosexual relationship or marriage and they want to make that work, uh, and they want to learn how to function in those environments. Um, most of us have both a capacity for same-sex attraction and a capacity for opposite-sex attraction. It turns out that sexuality is 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 pretty uh, flexible and diverse. Um, and um, so what happens in these therapeutic settings it, when they're successful, for the most part, is not so much that the same-sex attractions diminish, although that sometimes happens, uh, but it's more that the heterosexual attractions uh, can increase and a person can sort of start living out of their heterosexual side rather than their uh, same-sex side. Now, the activists like to 
convince us that persons who experience same-sex attractions don't have a heterosexual side, but somehow it eliminates uh, the ability to be attracted to persons of the opposite sex. But we know that's not true. I've known that's not true for decades because I've studied these folk. Uh, I have studied the children uh, of parents who are uh, same-sex parents. And, you know, most of those children are the biological offspring of one of those two parents before they entered into the relationship, which means, if you think about it, that that parent must have been able to function heterosexually uh, in a heterosexual relationship at some point in their life. And so most of them, uh, when they will leave a heterosexual relationship to take up a same-sex relationship, they will say, well, I was denying my true self and now I'm discovering my true self. Mm. But however they describe it, they were functioning in a heterosexual way and now they're functioning in a different way. That, and many of those who do that can also change back and have changed back mm -hmm. to, to a heterosexual way. You yes. know, that makes a lot of sense because there was a recent um, expose where they someone did a, a secret recording of the... People at Pornhub, and where they were talking about this situation here of uh, of homosexual pornography, and they were yeah. saying how they would push it on people, put it in their recommended who are heterosexual, and try in the attempts to try to convert them. Of course, they're talking the market convert, but obviously. In the context of pornography, if you're market converting someone, then you are changing their sexual desires as well. So we very clearly see that someone's sexual desires can actually change from A to B. And it can happen through what basically what these people at Pornhub are doing is exposure therapy, exposing them to these things over and over again until they become desensitized to it and they become aware and they until they kind of desire it which is a very obviously perverted thing so we would assume the same thing could be happen in reverse you can actually fix that um father paul what is about the research did you find to be kind of the most um impactful for the public conversation well it, it we've talked about the discovery that uh, go, undergoing this therapy did not uh induce higher sex higher sex suicide risk uh, that had a big impact on the therapy. We also found that most of the research in this area ignored persons who had changed. And by s selecting their samples, they purposely eliminated from the sample anyone who had changed. And so the claim that uh, someone can change sexual orientation uh, was not even allowed to be part of the discussion. Wow. Wow, so they just completely ignored the fact they or they uh -huh. did they ignore it or was it bare how was that how was that kept out? Uh they purposely excluded the the uh the uh strength of the opposition uh to my findings uh and similar findings is uh embedded in the article of faith of the LGBT ideology that um, it is an acceptable variation of human sexuality to be attracted to persons of the same sex. And some people are born that way and can't change. And that's the basis of their claim for uh, political uh, representation and privilege. Uh, that's the basis of their claim for having such a thing as a gay community and gay identity. Uh, and so if you challenge that, you're stepping on the third rail of LGBT ideology and you induce lots and lots of uh, a very hysterical response. 
right? That makes sense. And it also makes sense that uh, people will try to to frame it as your the born this way mantra, uh, the mm-hmm. gay gene mantra, where they were searching for the gay gene. Um, ultimately, it was, of course, not found. But if, of course, they're trying to make the argument that if you're born this way, then clearly it's natural to the person. And if it's right. natural to the person, you you can't change it is kind of the, the line of reasoning. But we know that even if someone is born in a certain way, it can change, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, it threatens that argument at the root. If even one person can change sexual orientation, then it undermines the idea that no one can ever change that it's in inborn, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, if you have now a group of persons, uh, you can't allow that, that have changed sexual orientation. You can't allow them to be heard or acknowledged uh, because that undermines that part of the whole argument. Well, there you go. Well, uh, thank you very much, Father Paul Sullins. We're out of time, but I uh, will definitely have to have you back on in the future because this research, okay. I think, is incredibly impactful. And I definitely want to follow uh, what you'll be finding out and discovering over uh, the next uh, over the time. So God bless you, Father. Uh, could you leave us with your priestly blessing? Yes, Adrian, God bless you. And God bless all of those who are driving uh, to work right now. Uh, that's a, a great uh, sacrifice that you make every day, in most cases for your family. Uh, and God bless you in that. May the overabundant graces of the Blessed Virgin Mary also shower on you today uh, as you seek to do your best. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Father. And God bless you. God love you. And have a blessed day. All Bye-bye. right. Well, Rudy, did you hear the news? <laughs> I did. You heard the news. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? You can no. read my mind. Are we all on the same wavelength? Um, no. Great minds. I heard they think alike. So the question is, are we great minds? Uh, yes. Yes. Because we have something pretty amazing to announce. A brand new show. A brand new show launching right here out of the Guadalupe Radio Network that is going to be launched in only mm, 18 days. Wow. Yeah. 18 days. Who's going to be the host? The host? Uh, some guy, I don't know. Is, is it starts Start with an A, ends with a Drian, you know, uh, last name starts with an F, ends with Onseca. Onseca. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a new show, and do you know what the name is, Rudy? It's called Morning Joy. It's going to be an Joy. offering so many different people involved, uh, lots of really great contributors, including Dave Palmer, who filled in yesterday. Dave Palmer. Yeah. And the man, we, uh, the myth, the legend. Have myself as well. I'll be a contributor as well. So you're and not going Limited away. capacity. Limited capacity. Uh, who else is going to be on? Well, I heard a rumor. So don't tell anybody. Just between you and I, don't. Nobody can know this. I heard a rumor that there are going to be some bishops that are going to be regular oh, wow. guests. <laughs> that's what I heard. I, I don't know. I, that's the rumor. They're going to be bishops as regular guests. I don't know how many shows do that, but not uh, somebody with the last name Bishop. <laughs> Imagine that would actually be really funny. Uh, no, no, someone with a uh, with a purple hat. Nice with a purple hat. With a pectoral cross, that one of those kind of bishops, hmm. not not last name bishop. Nice. So that's going to be really cool, and we're also going to be having 
mm, let's say uh, we'll, we'll tease it this way. They're going to be a whole lot of cultural elements to it. Some things that people probably have never seen before. Something people have never heard before. And it's going to be incredibly exciting. And that launches on January 22nd. A major launch. And as we go on, we'll talk about this tomorrow. It's the next week. And we have an amazing producer going to be working on the show behind the scenes hopping on and helping us out and we have a uh, tim mott joining us uh, tim what are your thoughts on uh, morning joy i'm just super excited to be part of this because because i've been the general manager for the houston station for a while and getting back into production here and going national and going big and bringing on all these contributors this is really huge and i'm, I'm really really excited about it so i'm gonna i'm really jazzed that i get to be working with you every day and Tim is a whiz with uh, making elements, so you can't wait till you hear the music he picked out and the sound effects that he's chosen. All sorts of brand new, never before heard goodies coming up just for you. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today. Listen to The Spirit World with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. Demonic activity appears to be on the rise. I'm Debbie Giorgiani, and I invite you to join Adam Bly and me this weekend for The Spirit World. On The Spirit World, we offer a Catholic perspective on angels, demons, and how the spiritual and physical worlds interact. Saturdays at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Guadalupe Radio Network and other EWTN radio affiliates. Visit grnonline.com slash spiritworld. The St. John Leadership Network presents Glance at the Gospel with Father Nathan Cromley. Today's Gospel, we read that the shepherds went in haste to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in a manger. When they saw this, they made known the message that had been told to them about this child. All who heard it were amazed by what had been told them by the shepherds, and Mary kept all these things, reflecting on them in her heart. Today's feast day has us focus in on the role of Mary as we begin a new year and as the Christmas season continues to bless this earth. But why is Mary so important? Obviously, she was the mother of the Son of God in the flesh, but before she was mother in the flesh, she was mother in her heart, meaning that she gave the fullness of who she was to the service of the Son of God in his salvific role in our world. He came to save us, and he came to save us through Mary, meaning that she was the altar upon which his body was sacrificed, and her love, her obedience to God, was the door through which Jesus walked into this world. And so this reminds us that each one of us is called by God to do something great for him, to open our lives, to let him do with us whatever he will. And when we, like Mary, ponder on him in our hearts, take him into our lives, submit our souls and our hearts to him, well, there's no stopping what God will do with our lives. When Mary said, let it be done unto me according to thy word, she performed an act of incredible courage. There was literally no limit to what she would give for Jesus. Let us do the same and let him do great things with us. For more information, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you today. It's always good to be here with you, but it's especially good to be with you here today because we're back. I've been gone for a few days, and it's been... It was nice to be away. It was nice to be on vacation, a very peaceful vacation. Went to a conference. My brother went with me. It was pretty exciting to travel with my brother. And we, it was very peaceful. I was away from technology mostly, hardly any internet. It was a great time, but I really did miss you. I really did miss you. And the good news is I won't have to miss you for a long time because starting in just 18 days, two weeks and change, we got, we got two weeks and then we got a little bit of change, and there's going to be a brand new show launching, Morning Joy, that'll be launching January 22nd, and I'll be here with you. So I'll be leading you along the way. I'll be holding your hand, walking you through our brand new segments. We're going to have Dave Palmer, Cecil Anderson. I, rumor is there's going to be a couple uh, bishops that maybe you have heard their names before, and maybe we'll reveal to them to you who they will be coming up in over the course of time. There's going to be a lot of things that are coming on. And one of our regular guests, man, oh, I was I was worried. I was sad. I was thinking, okay, well, my favorite Canadian, my favorite Canadian, Alan Smith, will he join us on this new endeavor? And Alan Smith said yes. So Bishop Sheen today will be with us continuing after January 22nd. Good morning to you, Alan. Uh, good morning, Adrian. It is great to be here, and uh, thank you for including me uh, in the new program uh, coming up. It's um, everyone needs Bishop Sheen. You know, I think this is what um, I've been blessed to offer for the last ten years is just sharing the wit and the wisdom of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen on radio, uh, on the internet. Uh, again, um, he is a prophet of our times. <laughs> you know, the, the things he wrote back in the 1940s and 50s and 60s, um, it's relevant today. And I think this is why we have to crack open some of his 66 books to uh, glean from the pages, uh, just uh, an instruction manual for today. And so it's great to be, uh, again, on the team, uh, sharing the good bishop's wisdom and, uh, you know, giving a few reports from the mission field where I get to visit parishes and give reflections. So uh, great to stay in my lane and share Bishop Sheen. So thank you again. <laughs> well, Alan, I am excited because, I mean, with a name like Morning Joy, what else could you have but Fulton Sheen and his life? I mean, <sighs> A life that could not be considered joyful. I mean, he, he has such joy in his face, in his visage, when he's giving his, his talks, his radio programs, his TV programs. And, of course, the famous phrase that life is worth living. And I think that's something that is always a good thing to keep in mind. And, and just so people know, Fulton Sheen's also not the bishop we're talking about as a regular guest it is in fact a real bishop that is alive not dead but uh well i mean fulton sheen's alive he's alive in in christ but uh, walking this earth is what we mean right alan 
Right. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of slogans, you mentioned your life is worth living, which is so true. But uh, one thing that really is important is that we remember his quote, unless souls are saved, nothing is saved. And I think people who have made New Year's resolutions are all coming to the same um, reality, this epiphany to say, yeah, it's about saving souls. I got to really work on my soul. Not my 501c3, not my, um, you know, retirement plan, but my soul. And so I think that's what Fulton Sheen brings clarity. Unless souls are saved, nothing is saved. And so, uh, again, let's get to that. Let's get to the business of saving souls. And I tell you, Fulton Sheen wrote a classic book in 1958 called Life of Christ because he wanted everyone to come to Christ to understand Christ. And in that beautiful book, many people have that book, Life of Christ, he wrote in 1958 in a very uh, dark time in his life. He was uh, being canceled uh, from television. He was embroiled in a battle with Cardinal Spellman and some other clerics. Uh, and so, of course, think about that. You have this Emmy Award winning television show, 30 million people watching each week, and then it's taken away from you. And in those uh, dark years, he wrote Life of Christ. He went to the scriptures and put together a beautiful book, which really unpacks the life of Christ. He takes the scriptures and he uh, reveals to us the deep meaning of each scripture passage. So uh, again, you asked me to talk about what Fulton Sheen wrote about the epiphany. Well, it's in the book, Life of Christ. And so we'll share a little bit this morning. Amen. Amen. And that's couldn't ask for a better transition into talking about the Epiphany, because in just two days, we're celebrating the Epiphany, a day that is one of the highest feasts in the year. And yet nobody, people forget it. People just kind of blaze over it. It's Christmas is over. Christmas season's over. Take down the tree. Take away all the gifts. Everything's over. But yet... It is one of the biggest feasts of the year. So, Alan, tell me about the Epiphany. What was Fulton Sheen's meditation on the Epiphany? Well, I think he uses a catchphrase that's so important. And that catchphrase is, divinity is always where one least expects to find it. Uh, no one really expected to find our Savior in a, a manger in Bethlehem. No one ever would think that's the way God would come into the world. They all expected him to be born in the inn, uh, but he was born in the peripheries, in the stable. Uh, but again, that quote, divinity is always where one least expects it. And I think as we travel through this world, that's where we sometimes get a little gobsmacked. We have those spiritual encounters when we least expect it. Uh, but again, look, search. And I think this is what, um, again, history talks about, how um, the scriptures prophesy that the Messiah was to come. People were looking. And uh, so again, this is why the wise men from the East uh, were looking. Uh, they knew of the prophecies, and they came in search of the, the king, and of course found the king uh, in the manger. So uh, I think this is why it's so important that we 
keep up our Christmas crash, our uh, we don't package everything up on December 26th, uh, that we linger and enjoy the full season of Christmas. But uh, it's that opinion of finding Jesus, and sometimes we'll find Jesus when we least expect it. Amen. Amen. And I, I think that's something that we can linger on just a second. Finding Jesus in places that we least expect him. Because, I mean, like you mentioned you don't expect the king of the universe to be in a small, humble major. You would expect him to be in a grand palace, in a glorious kingdom with servants surrounding, gold lining the floors, his crib maybe in, in, embezzled with beautiful gems. And yet our Lord comes so humbly. And I think one of the things that Epiphany reminds us of is the disposition of the three kings. The three kings who they probably were scandalized by the idea that the king would be born in a manger. I mean, obviously they were because they went to go see Herod first. They thought, oh yeah, he's going to be in Herod's palace, not in a cave somewhere. So tell me about the three kings, Alan. What was Fulton Sheen's understanding and thoughts about the three kings? Well, I think what... um we center in on a lot is the gifts that he, that they brought, uh, and the symbolism of the gifts. And, and I think we challenged, uh, our listeners, uh, when we were doing our Christmas shows to challenge them to bring a gift to Jesus. Um, you know, what are you going to give Jesus at Christmas? And will you give him some time in prayer? Will you, uh, make amends to visit a stranger? Um, all of these little things that we could give Jesus for Christmas. And now we have to do the accounting. What did we give him? But in the case of the three kings, again, they gave the Lord gifts. And, uh, Fulton Sheen mentions that. He says in Life of Christ, the Magi brought three gifts. Gold to honor his kingship, frankincense to honor his divinity, and myrrh to honor his humanity, which was destined for death. Myrrh was used at his burial. The crib and the cross are related again, for there is myrrh at both. And I think when we just think of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, uh, there is this um, pre-announcement of his death. Um, our Lord came into this world to die for our sins. And so, uh, again, I think it's a gentle reminder at the Epiphany that we have a duty to give God our gifts, our time, our talent, and our treasures. You know, it's funny you say that, Mint, focusing in on the on the myrrh there, because we, I think, I'm trying to remember where Fulton Sheen said this, but he always mentioned that, that the joy of Christ was always tinged with the shadow of the cross. That the shadow of the cross loomed over the joy, you think about the joyful mysteries and all the joys that happened there. And then you recognize that the cross was looming over. And it's not as if our Lord and our lady were unaware of it. They were very keenly aware of the cross, that that was where he was headed, that he was born to die. Where other men were born to live, he was born to die. Uh, tell me about this element of the looming shadow of the cross. Yeah, I think people sometimes um, can't connect the dots. Uh, they want to compartmentalize um, the two um, 
great moments of history, but they are so connected. They are so connected. And yet, I think when we look at the life of Christ, um, and we look at what the church offers liturgically, yes, we have this beautiful intimacy with Christ at Christmas. We all love the Christmas uh, manger scene and bring our families together. But then immediately the next day, we celebrate the Feast of St. Stephen. And then the following day, the uh, Feast of the Holy Innocents and the slaughter of the babes. Um, and so you can see there's this transition from just uh, peace on earth, goodwill towards men, and then the slaughter, the blood, the cross. And I think this is what the church is preparing us for, uh, to say, yeah, you will have your Good Friday, and you need your Good Friday to enjoy your Easter Sunday. Mm. And think about it, in six weeks, we will be celebrating the feast. Um, those that we'll be celebrating feast, but we'll be beginning the season of Lent. And so uh, prepare. We need to prepare. As we prepare for Christmas, we almost have to start preparing now for Lent. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, the church teaches us Christmas, St. Stephen, the Feast of the Holy Innocents. Um, there's a message there. There really is. Right. 100%. I completely agree, Alan. And I think that's something that we have to keep in mind, especially leading into Epiphany. Let's celebrate, especially keep the, the Christmas season flowing. But remember that Ash Wednesday is just around the corner. That Lent is just around the corner. We cannot feast if we do not fast. And we cannot fast if we don't have some feast. So let's take the proper look at the holidays and let's actually celebrate them these holy days with solemnity alan where can people keep up to date and where can people find more information about where you're getting this information from right um our humble website is bishopsheentoday.com and it's simply we need bishop sheen today so uh, visit us at bishop sheen today uh there you'll find hundreds of Fulton Sheen's videos from YouTube, uh, of course, his many presentations, many audio recordings we've downloaded and archived. And of course, uh, his 66 books are there and with uh, links of where to purchase those books. And I encourage everyone to pick up a copy of Life of Christ. It's a classic that everyone should have in their own personal library, uh, Life of Christ. But again, visit us at bishopsheentoday.com. Yes, bishopsheentoday.com. And here's a pro tip for you. If you go to Bishop Sheen Today and under read, he has some of the books that are in the public domain that you can read for free right there on the website. So go there, bishopsheentoday.com. God bless you, Alan. God love you. And see you, well, we'll see you next week, but see you in Morning Joy on the 22nd or after the 22nd. God bless you, Alan. God love you. God love you. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, our Fear and Trembling Game Show. Call now, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. Are you worried about the war on Christmas? Don't be. G.K. Chesterton says Christmas is the irresistible festival for those who are afraid to be festive. It is the spectacular festival when... Almost everyone lives and acts poetry instead of just a few people writing it. It is the ancient festival, a trinity of eating, drinking, praying, that to modern seems irreverent because the holy day really is a holiday. No matter what happens, says Chesterton, the great majority will go on observing Christmas Day with Christmas gifts and Christmas benedictions 
and they will continue to do it and suddenly someday they'll wake up and discover why want more than a minute visit us at chesterton.org hi this is dr david anders from ewtn's call to communion I believe that the Ministry of Catholic Radio is one of the greatest tools we have in the Church for evangelism today. I hear from people all over the world on a daily basis who have encountered Christ in the Catholic Church for the first time by listening to Catholic Radio. Please support the Ministry of Catholic Radio today. Support Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome to another round of Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win. And I don't know how the game show went the last few days, but today we're back to normal. We are back with me in the saddle, and I assumed that Dave Palmer did a great job, but... He did. I'm sure. I'm certain. I'm certain, actually. I have no doubt in my mind. So he didn't mention anything to you about a New Year's resolution I made or anything like that? I was going to say... <laughs> I was going to say... Uh, he didn't say anything, right? That Dave Palmer did good, but there was somebody else that uh, 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 kind of was slacking... Uh, Rudy, I'm just kidding. I didn't, I didn't listen at all. So you didn't. <laughs> so I was busy. <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> uh, so I have good, no idea good. what you're referring to. So you to. don't know anything about, uh, what? being less tricky, right? Uh, is that what <laughs> happened? Uh, I was oh, gone. No, and- no, 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 no. I'm, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. I didn't make that promise at all. Uh-huh. <laughs> Rudy, the less tricky while I was away. All right. The truth comes out. I got him to reveal it. You're welcome, guys. All right. If you want to join us, call in 877-757-9424. We are giving away prizes. And let me tell you how the game works. I have three Catholic trivia questions right in front of me here. And the trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, instead, I'm going to ask Rudy the question. He's going to give me the answer. And I've been told that Rudy has become Rudy the less tricky this week. And Unreformed. I... I guess if you want an easy question Thursday, then I guess you have to call in 877-757-9424. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? You may have heard of a guy. He seems to be, he was a bishop, actually. No way. <laughs> His name is Fulton Sheen. Fulton Sheen. And he I wrote a heard book. about him. Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? Well, it's quite a coincidence, really. He wrote a book called The Priest Is Not His Own. And mm. our good friend Alan Smith from the Great White Great The Great White North. North. The Great White North, who was just on our show, will be on Morning Joy, by the way. He just, uh, you know, he compiled it together and reprinted it. So we're giving away this copy of The Priest Is Not His Own. Now, it's a wonderful gift if you want to give it to a father. I know it's Father's Day's past. Maybe it's coming up soon. But Epiphany. Epiphany's coming up. 
wonderful time for you to give gifts, especially to a father. It could be a priest. It could be a, a dad because this book is going to – Or a soon-to-be dad. Or a soon-to-be dad. It's going to emphasize spiritual fatherhood, which is so needed today in our family and our culture. Well, praise be to God. We'd love to hear it. And thank you very much to Bishop Sheen today. Our, so generous. Honestly. Alan is uh, – Top tier. Magnanimous. Honestly, represents Canada very well. Represents Canada very well. I, <laughs> I love Canadians, and it's mostly because of Alan. It's mo- <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I've only met maybe like two Canadians, maybe three, and I love Canadians because the ones I've met have been tremendous. Uh, but joining us right now is Maggie. Good morning to you, Maggie. Good morning. Maggie, where are you calling in from? Lytle, Texas. Lydell, Texas. Praise be to God, Maggie. Now, where are you off to today? School. School. Oh, you're already starting school back again? Yes. What grade are you in? Um, sixth. Sixth grade. I cannot believe Lydell, Texas is already starting school. It's only January 4th. Uh, everyone I know is starting like in a week. And uh, you must be in like some... uh super duper program or something like that i guess um maggie what is you what's your favorite thing that you got or gave for christmas um my camera you got a camera nice. no way what kind of camera I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, I, for one, actually, Rudy and I both, we're both big camera fans. Yeah, we so, are. We're big nerds, actually, yeah, about cameras. Yeah, so you kind of just, like, um, derailed me completely because now I'm thinking about cameras. <laughs> and Rudy over here, he does uh, photography, and I do a lot of videography. I like uh, making videos. I recorded a friend's wedding, like, a week ago, and, and Rudy goes out taking pictures of birds all the time. So there you go, Maggie. That's very cool. I'm excited for you. I hope you uh, enjoy your camera and you use it well. I think that's an awesome hobby, and I hope you uh, you enjoy it. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about. I don't want to get sidetracked too much on cameras because I could definitely just go off on that for the next hour. But instead, we're going to be playing our game show. Are you ready to play? Are you familiar with how it works? Yes. Perfect, perfect. So tune in carefully. Make sure you don't get tricked by Rudy. But I heard the rumor is Rudy is uh, being good this week he's i mean the santa claus list is already over so it's i don't know eating what he's me doing. inside he's eating you inside <laughs> <laughs> all right maggie let's jump into it question number one for you rudy the question on the board is what prayer includes the words behold the handmaid of the lord be it done to me according to thy word. Amen. The Angelus. The Angelus. The Angelus. Which is a really easy prayer, by the way, just to incorporate into your daily meditations. You know, just throw it in there. We start the show off, actually, with the Angelus. That's true. That's true. So here's a fun fact for you. 558, I start the Angelus because, I mean, we obviously we start at 6 a.m. Central. And so at 558, we start the Angelus. But the question is, is the words, Behold the hand of the Lord in the Angelus? Well, Maggie, that's the question for you. And Rudy says, yes, of course, the prayer that includes the words, Behold, the hand of the Lord is, in fact, the Angelus. What say you, Maggie, from Lydell, Texas? I think he's telling the truth. You think he's telling the truth. All right, let's see. Survey says he did live up to what he said. 
it was not tricky at all. It was just facts. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Um, yeah. I'm shocked. There was no <laughs> no tricky business, no crazy stories, just nothing but the truth, the whole truth. I don't Amazed. know how much I can do this anymore. I, he's, he's getting the shakes. <laughs> like Rudy is physically <laughs> oh, shaking over boy. here to being, being so innocent. Ooh. All right, Maggie, are you ready for question number two? Yes. All right. This question. Wow, that's actually a pretty difficult question. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I know the answer to this question. All right, Maggie, here's the question. You'll probably do better than I would. Here's the question. What is Laos Perennis? Laos Perennis. Now, some of you weekend warriors are going to understand this, right? You go to Home Depot, you go into the plant okay. section, you mm-hmm. see that perennial thing right there? The perennial thing, okay. All right. Well, turns out. I know what that means. That the, you don't know that? Perennials are plants that come up. Oh, is that what that know? means? Yeah, they come up certain times of the year. Oh, okay. okay. Well, the church has a hand in discovering which plants come up at which times. And mm-hmm. they came up with the system of perennial, biennial, all the other ones. So that's what it does. It indicates when plants come up. Okay. I you totally that? understood that. All right, Maggie, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, what is Laos perennis? Rudy said something about plants and growing up, and that's how you determine that plants are growing up and the low section. Yeah, you um, didn't. Yeah, you didn't pay attention, did you? I totally paid attention. Uh, perennials, you know, perennials, uh-huh. biennials. It's when the plant actually shoots up out of uh-huh. the ground, flowers, that sort of thing. Right. Times of the year. Okay. Church came up with that. Got it. All right, Maggie. I don't know what he's talking about. Maybe you do. Uh, is he right or is he wrong, Maggie? From Lytle, Texas. I think he's wrong. You think he's wrong? I I don't even know what he's talking about. So we're going to find out. Survey says. <laughs> yes, you are correct. It was wrong. But um, the correct answer is it's an ancient practice of seeing the divine office by a relay of monks so that the praise of God never ceases in the monastery, continuing day and night. That's kind of awesome. You should do that in your house, Maggie. I don't know. If, do you have enough people in your house to do that? Oh, my goodness. How many people do you need to have a continuous prayer Just constantly? Just take, take shifts. That would be insane. Whew. Especially, not... especially if you had like a family of like four. She's Whew. young. She doesn't need that much sleep. It's okay. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Maggie. Last question. Are you ready for it? Yes. All right. Here's the question. Rudy, although there is no earthly superior, to whom would a pope give his resignation? To whom would a pope give his resignation? All right, so he doesn't type it out. He actually goes to the Vatican radio, and he announces it to the entire world. Oh, so he gives it to the people. He gives it to the people. Oh. All right, Maggie. Is Tricky Rudy being tricky, or is he being a truther? Um, That's the question. 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, although there is no earthly superior, to whom would a pope give his resignation? Rudy says he gives it to the people. He hops on Vatican Radio and announces it to the whole world. What say you, Maggie? I think he's wrong. You think he's wrong? All right. Let's see. Survey says... That is correct, Maggie. Way to go. That was a tricky one. That was, in fact, he was he was only not tricky for the first one. The other two were pretty tricky, in my opinion. All right, Maggie, you did great. The correct answer is the College of Cardinals. He submits his resignation to the College of Cardinals 
would be what he would do. But you did great, Maggie. You're clearly a theologian, a budding theologian, a, a, one, a what is it, Perennis, Rudy? A Laos Perennis. Laos Perennis, as his fake answer is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so praise be to God. How do you feel, Maggie? Really good. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. I'm so glad you called in today, and I appreciate that you are, too, a lover of cameras. Uh, my favorite pastime, my favorite hobby, using a camera. So praise be to God. You have to send us some of your pictures and videos that you make with those with those cameras. I look forward to seeing it. Make sure you uh, send that to us. We'd be very grateful for it. But God bless you. God love you. And have a blessed day at school. Thank you. We're going to put you on hold. So stay on the line so we can get your parents' contact information so we can send you the prize should we draw out the name next week so god bless you god love you we're gonna go into the after show uh you can look us up facebook rumble and you can look up catholic drive time there we'll talk with you directly but just so you know morning joy while the game show is going away however there's gonna be something hmm similar maybe we'll say expansion we'll have a little bit of participation from you in the new show morning joy the game show will be transitioning away something will be taking its place so stay tuned for that god bless you god love you and remember we're still in the christmas season let's party on epiphany god bless you god love you and i'll see you very soon thank you for joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Network. Those here present. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Give ye heed to what we say. Jesus Christ is born today. Ox and ass before him bow, and he is in the manger now. Christ is born today. Christ is born today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart, Lord have mercy. You came to call sinners, Christ have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us, Lord have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. 
O God, who crowned with the gift of true faith St. Elizabeth Ann Seton's burning zeal to find you, grant by her intercession an example that we may always seek, with, seek you with diligent love and find you in daily service with sincere faith. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first letter of St. John. Children, let no one deceive you. The person who acts in righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Whoever sins belongs to the devil, because the devil has sinned from the beginning. Indeed, the Son of God was revealed to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is begotten by God commits sin, because God's seed remains in him. He cannot sin because he is begotten by God. In this way, the children of God and the children of the devil are made plain. No one who fails to act in righteousness belongs to God, nor anyone who does not love his brother. The word of the Lord. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wondrous deeds. His right hand has won victory for him, his holy arm. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. Let the sea and what fills it resound, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, the mountains shout with them for joy before the Lord. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. The Lord comes, he comes to rule the earth. He will rule the world with justice and the people with equity. All the ends of the earth seem the saving power of God. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Alleluia. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. In these last days, he has spoken to us through the Son. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. 
Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who, who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. One of the key things we celebrate or we look at in this Christmas season is the manifestation of Jesus. Jesus, of course, beginning his public ministry, John the Baptist pointing to Jesus, saying, Behold the Lamb of God. Those very same words we say today in the liturgy, when the priest holds up the Eucharist, we say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In some ways, it's John again pointing out that this is the one. This is he who has come to take away our sins, to bring us into communion with God. And then we see the first, the first, one of the first disciples to follow Jesus is Andrew. And it's interesting because he begins to follow him. He says, where are you staying? And Jesus says, come and see. So he sent, spends the whole day with Jesus. That could actually be a way, a prayer, a way that we could pray, a method of prayer. It's just to spend the day with Jesus. Everywhere we go, we're always walking with him. He, hopefully he's taking us more with him than we taking him with us. But that's the way it should be. But then it's interesting, like, the encounter that Andrew had with Jesus must have been something so amazing and unforgettable because he remembered the exact time of day that he met him, four in the afternoon. Anybody have those kind of experiences, even divine or glorious experiences of our life that we, we never forget them, we know exactly what they happened, we remember the time of day. That kind of encounter with Jesus. And then, of course, it must have been so powerful that he had to bring his brother, you know, to experience this. He was, Andrew, as well as even John the Baptist, they were all looking for the Messiah. They were looking for Jesus. And it tells us something about the saint that we celebrate today, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. She's the first American-born saint. And she was continually looking for Jesus. In fact, she grew up as an Episcopalian, and then she married her husband. And her husband died very early of sickness. They had moved to Italy. He had died there in Italy, of all places. And then, because she was then exposed and began to understand Catholicism, she eventually became Catholic herself. And then she, with her husband, she had had five kids. Once they had grown up, then she became a religious and started schools, parochial schools, first one of them being in Baltimore. But she, she recognized that the interior life, she said she read once, that means that continuation of the Savior's life in us. That's really what Christmastide is all about, the manifestation of Jesus, his divine life working in us. She says, what is this, what does it mean to have this, to have the continue the Savior's life within us is, of course, to do the Father's will as Jesus did the Father's will. And this is, she said, she said, really a very insightful thing when she says, well, how are we then to do this? Well, we, we want to daily do the will of God. We want to do it in the manner that Jesus wills, and we want to do it because he wills it. And she comments on these three aspects of doing God's will of our wills being more uh, united in, in communion with the will of God. It says, first, that we know the will of God through those who direct us. 
course, for us in religious life, it's much easier because we we strive to live by obedience. Whatever our superior wills, that is, to do the obedience is to will the will of another. Whatever they ask us to do, we recognize that it is God who is asking us to do this. Uh, for you who are married, it's you know it's, it's obedience to your spouses. Sometimes not always easy. It's not always easy being obedient to a superior either. But Saint Paul puts it puts it pointedly. He says, "Obey one another." out of reverence for Christ. That's the key. And he goes on to say, husbands obey your wives, and wives obey your husbands. Sometimes we're not quite sure, what, we don't want to hear that, <laughs> it's difficult to do. But obey one another out of reverence for Christ. So that's the first thing, to do the will of another, in this case, of course, the will of Christ, is, of course, is to, for us to leave aside our own will. So. First, to do the will of God. The second is to do it in the manner that Christ wills it. She says something really funny. She says, it's not sowing an old thing as if it were new, or a new thing as if it were old. Not fretting because the oven is too hot, or in a fuss because it is too cold. Not flying and driving because you are hurried. Not creeping like a snail because no one pushes you. Our dear Savior was never in extremes. So to live in that will of God is to do the will of God, but as the Lord wills it, in that manner. We don't have to be hurried about. Like some of us, we want to be holy yesterday. And it's like, that's not God's will for us, is to be in the holiness that we are right now, but not, of course, to stay there and say, oh, I'll eventually get there. No, not sluggish either. But as he wills, as God forms us to live in that time, not to be in a hurry, but not to be too slow, as God wills. And then the third thing is to do the will because God wills it. That is to be ready to even quit at any moment what we are doing in order to do what he has called us to do now. In other words, something we're not tied to this, well, I have to do this because even God commanded me, I have to do this. It's like, no, I can leave that aside because he wants, he's calling me to do something else, to go this way, to serve this person. She must have been inspired even by St. Vincent de Paul, who, of course, with his love for the poor, said something, it was directed particularly to us as religious. He says, if you are praying and a poor man comes to the door, you know, don't be afraid to go answer the door to give him what he needs. You are simply leaving aside one service of God to do another service of charity. It's like, I can't, I can't help you right now because I'm praying. <laughs> no, I can do that because I'm just simply just laying aside one thing in order to serve God in this way. Because he wills it. So those three things. To do the will of God, to do it in the manner he wills, and to do it because he wills it. This is the great insight that St. Elizabeth Ann Seton shares with us today. May we do God's will manifested to us in Christ Jesus, and so continue the life of our Savior within us. Amen. Exalted in faith, let us unite, dear brothers and sisters, with Christians over all the world. Let us pray that the salvation inaugurated with Christ at his birth reaches to the ends of the earth. So that the children of the church who today joyfully celebrate the Christ Christmas tide may be reborn to a new life in justice, love, and peace. Let us pray to the Lord. So that all men come to know Christ the Lord 
and to gather around him who would come to seek and to save those who were lost. Let us pray to the Lord. So that the Son of God, who wanted to share our human nature, give joy to those who cry, health to the sick, help to the dying, and divine comfort to those who feel alone. Let us pray to the Lord. So that faith in Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior, may grow in our families who gather this, during this sacred time. Let us pray to the Lord. For the intentions that we hold in our hearts, to those who have asked us to pray for them, for those joining us on Guadalupe Radio and online, that all of us may seek to do God's will, to do it in the manner that he wills, and to do it because he wills it, that we may glorify God in our life now and in eternity. Let us pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we bring all of our prayers and petitions before you, confident that you hear and answer us through Christ, your Son. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. Fruit of the earth and work of human hands will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God. By the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ, who humbled himself to share in our humanity. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine, a work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Humble spirit and contrite hearts, may we accept it by you, Lord, and may your sacrifices say today be pleasing to you, Lord God. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. O Lord, we ask that you look graciously upon our gifts placed on your altar in celebration of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton and grant by the power at work in this sacrifice that we may be more deeply inserted into the mystery of your Son who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For through him the holy exchange that restores our life has shown forth today in splendor. When our, frail, when our frailty is assumed by your word, not only does human mortality receive an unending honor, but by this wondrous union we too are made eternal. And so in company with the choirs of angels we praise you, and with joy we proclaim, Holy, Holy, 
Holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of, our, of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognize in the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, and with all the saints, on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you, in your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom we bestow in the world all that is good.
through him and with him and in him. O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, for every, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope in the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy. You should enter under my roof. Only say the word, my soul shall be For those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
Adoro te devote latens deitas, qui bifis figuris late veritas, tibi secur meum totum subjicit. Quia te contemplans totum deficit. Visus tactus gustus in te falitu. Sed auditus solo tuto creditu. Credo qui quidixi dei filius, nil hoc verbo veritatis verius. Let us pray. As we partake of the sacrament of our salvation, while recalling the memory of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, we humbly ask you, O Lord, that we may be inflamed with a burning desire for the heavenly table, and by its power consecrate our life faithfully to you, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God rest you, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from sin. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.